This is the Pennyworth podcast on TV podcast industries, where we're talking about the finale of Pennyworth season one, Marianne Faithful. Hello, son. Dad. I won't ask any questions. You, you must be in a hurry, I expect. Not long now. Things are going to change. You'll be safe to come home. So, we'll see you again soon. Yeah, you will. No doubt. I'll put your mother back on. Best of luck, son. Bye, Dad. Welcome back, Governors, to this final episode of Pennyworth Season 1, Episode 10, Marianne Faithful. This is TV Podcast Industries, and this is the Pennyworth Podcast. And this is John, one of your hosts. Welcome. <laughs> well done, John. Uh, I'm your other host, Derek. Um, we are moving very soon from our current location in our current podcast room. You may notice there's a little bit more of an echo than there normally is in our podcast. Really sorry about that. That means the room is emptying out. All of those wonderful books you used to see on Gotham TV podcast have all been removed from behind us. So uh feeling a little bit exposed in the room at the moment. A little echoey. A little echoey, he thinks. <laughs> a little echoey. A little echoey. <laughs> I had a, a feeling that was coming. <laughs> this is the finale podcast of our Pennyworth coverage. Uh, we're also on holidays uh, at the moment as the episode is being released. So um, we don't have much feedback in this episode. What we're going to do is going to come back with a feedback episode. If you have any thoughts on the show, we're going to wait a couple of weeks. You get your thoughts together. You watch all the episodes and you tell us what you thought about this season of Pennyworth. And then we're going to come back and do a one final Pennyworth wrap up. Hopefully tying in, crossing fingers, hopefully tying in with an announcement for a season two of Pennyworth. Yep, let's hope. Uh, but remember, fellow governors and fellow listeners, yes, you can join us over on tvpodcastindustries.com and choose any podcast catcher of your choice to listen through uh, the upcoming shows as well. We are going to delve into The Watchmen mm -hmm. uh, coming very soon on HBO and Sky Atlantic from the 20th and 21st of October, respectively. Yes, cannot wait for this. And this should be a nice little bookend as well for our previous boys coverage. Uh -huh. The boys coverage from the Amazon Prime show. Again, looking at superheroes and who watches the Watchmen, who watches the superheroes. So this should be a really interesting show uh, as we delve into The Watchmen, of course, based on the seminal uh, graphic novel by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons and produced by Damon Lindelof as well of Lost fame. So mm -hmm. let's hope it's twisty, ternary, Easter eggy uh, and all of that. Uh, Chris will have an absolute field day when he joins us for our coverage on TV Podcast Industries of The Watchmen. So please subscribe uh, to TV Podcast Industries for all things watchery. Absolutely. And that is another DC comic. So I think this is the first other DC show we've covered other than our Gotham coverage and our Pennyworth coverage. We've never covered another DC show, done loads of Marvel stuff, done loads of non comic book TV shows, and as John mentioned, we did The Boys as well. You can get every one of those in all 425 episodes that we've done so far over on tvpodcastindustries.com. 
We've got Pennyworth here, which is not based on any particular property in the DC world, but set 40 or 50 years before we've seen them on Gotham. And then we're going to have DC's Watchmen set 30 years after the seminal comic book. Um, make sure you read it. I've been reading it the last, uh, last couple of weeks, um, getting myself up to speed on the Watchmen before it comes out on the 20th of October. Uh, check it out. It's uh, very weird and very interesting towards the end. And apparently all 12 issues of the comic book are going to make it into reference material, I suppose, for this new show. So I'm guessing some of the weirder stuff is going to be referenced on it. I've been watching The Leftovers as well, which is another one of Damon Lindelof's shows. And yeah, he definitely will go to interesting places uh, in his drama. So I'm intrigued to see what will be coming in The Watchmen later on this uh, month. Yeah, well, he put a polar bear on an island. Um, <laughs> so let's see what he can do with The Watchmen. wasn't just him. J.J. Abrams was involved well, that's as well. True. So there's loads of other true. people involved. This is, a, this is a David Lindelof joint. So we're really looking forward to seeing what he does on this one. Yes. So on to our Royal Mail section mm-hmm. where we discuss all our feedback on Pennyworth from our listeners. Put stamps on them. Put them in a letterbox for me. You know I can't do that. You can Please send in your thoughts about the finale and the series as a whole to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. You can also find us on Facebook over on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV Podcast Industries. Please come on over, join us uh, and join in the discussion. Uh, It's great to have uh, your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And as well, we're over on Twitter at TV Pod Industries. So first up on our Twitter feed, uh, Charlotte Vane said, This was so much fun and intense. I am so ready to see what is next. It had the excitement, action, intensity, and even the emotional moments. I'm so glad I watched Pennyworth. I love you guys and your podcast. Thanks so much, Charlotte. Yeah, I think uh, I'm totally with you here. I think they've really nailed some emotional moments. And I think, again, in this final episode, there's some really nice emotional moments between Alfred and his dad in particular, which I thought were really, uh, really good. And thank you uh, for your kind words about the podcast. It's great to have you listening in, Charlotte. Thanks so much for the feedback. Definitely, Charlotte. Yeah, there was so much intensity in episode nine as well. That awesome closing scene that we saw the Psych Sisters uh, take the Queen away from the uh, the other members of the hunting party was really cool. It was a really, really fun episode. Uh, glad you've been enjoying us throughout this series on uh, on our podcast as well, Charlotte. Uh, hopefully you'll get your final thoughts in for the series and we'll discuss them in the future. We've got some more feedback in since we recorded the first bit there with Charlotte. Uh, we got some feedback on Facebook from Roger Sprung. Yeah, Roger says, Justice can be swift in Pennyworth. First bet was sentenced to be hanged. We know how that didn't work out. And now Alfred is sentenced to seven years in prison with just a signature. He became the prison boss in no time, though. When Harwood's butler secretly informed Aziz about what was going on, I also noticed the eye patch, which he didn't have when Harwood first arrived. Mm -hmm. But he did have it when the Duke arrived. I like your theory that Alfred and perhaps Thomas and Martha might become part of a resistance movement that would tie in nicely with what we learned about Alfred in Gotham. I thought the street sign saying Mickle White Avenue, Michael Caine, Alfred was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if Mr. Pennyworth suspects that Alfred knows about his illness. Alfred was acting a bit more attentive, I thought. My favourite moment in this episode and one of my favourites in the series so far came at the end when Bet and Peggy held the Queen at gunpoint while approaching the Queen with a pistol in one hand and a knife in the other. Bet gave the customary curtsy. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that is a. I think it's fairly iconic. The idea that the the queen is held um, held up, effectively kidnapped at gunpoint by these two lovely. Uh, sisters. At least they're polite enough to give her a curtsy though. Yeah, re- really good. <laughs> but as for your other point, Roger, yeah, you're absolutely right. Things move fast in Pennyworth. You Definitely. Know, we're laughing about that moment where they're trying to get the information out of Alfred and then they say right, you can say goodbye to your parents, you're going to prison and then it's just like tap tap <laughs> seven years in prison, that's it over, you know no Guilty. Yeah, exactly. Stamp. No waiting for courts or anything like that and it seems like they're just going into a workhouse uh, where they're all locked away together um, but absolutely look for the biggest guy in the room and you will be the leader. Yeah. Really good. And Thanks so much for that, Roger. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Roger. And Charlotte also left us some feedback on Facebook as well. Charlotte goes, I love the intense drama. Alfred is great at being honorable to Bet for saving his life. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to turn her in. He's in prison, but he's got a reputation. Everyone is afraid of him. They get out of his way. Yeah, really like the fact that uh, he he kind of goes really badass here, yeah. doesn't he? Um, yeah. Becomes that kind of don of the prison very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yes, Mr. Pennyworth. Sir. Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> how it changes so quick. As Charlotte says, now Aziz will let him go if he will assassinate Harwood and the no-name no League people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as it's Thomas and Martha that came out... Uh, even the Sykes sisters. So, of course, he didn't kill them. He shot the police cars so that they couldn't get away. So Baz and Davy Boy have to get Alfred out of England safely now. I feel so bad for Alfred's mum. She's going to be taking care of Alfred's father as he's dying from cancer. This was an excellent episode. I love you guys and this podcast. We have one more episode. Yes, I know. Just one more, but hopefully... Just hopefully we get um, a season two of this because yeah. I think it's got some great ideas. I definitely think that there's so much more that they can do here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really good. Thanks again, Charlotte, for all the input as well this season. Absolutely, yeah. The only comment we've had from our contacts over at Epics HD is that they're crossing their fingers as well for season two. I can say that. We don't know yet. Nobody knows yet. It hasn't been confirmed for season two yet. And hopefully we'll hear really soon and we'll be back then. Uh, one of the things I wanted to mention on your comments there, Charlotte, uh, that moment when Pennyworth shoots the car to get it to, uh, to swerve out of the way of Thomas and Martha Wayne, just I noticed someone on Reddit talking about that going, please, makers of shows, stop doing that shoot the tires and the car swerves shoot the engine and the car stops or blows up <laughs> never it will never make a car swerve so i just thought it was quite interesting or yeah. maybe shoot the person inside and they'll fall over yeah, on the yeah. wheel you know something like that but they said it makes it less believable because it's used so often in, in movies and, and tv shows excellent thanks again for your feedback charlotte and hopefully we'll hear more from you about the finale our final piece of feedback comes from william walton he says i think alfred baza and dave boy are going to end up rescuing the queen and one of the Sykes sisters isn't going to make it out of this season. Plus, I'd love to see the Queen in a fight scene with the Sykes sisters. <laughs> but I'm not sure if they'd be allowed to do that. That would be very, very awesome. I like the idea that the Queen would get into a fight with the Sykes sisters. I have to say, I think that would be really awesome. Do you know, that feels like something that they put in Doctor Who. You know, where he goes yeah. back and meets some of the queens in the in history past and you find them riding horses and shooting guns and stuff like that. You have this image of this version of Queen Elizabeth possibly being able to get into a bit of fisticuffs De- easily. Definitely. Know? And I think one of the Sykes sisters going um, would be really dramatic. I love these two, Peggy and Bet, mm-hmm. um, And I really don't want to see either of them uh, 
killed off to be honest absolutely and now that we've seen the finale episode and this is our finale spoiler uh, discussion we know they made it which is really good yes so happy happy about that but it is an interesting thought you know there is a little bit of jealousy between bet and peggy as well i think uh, definitely between bet towards peggy uh, peggy's able to calm her down quite a lot absolutely but i'm wondering if that might raise its ugly head uh, in prison the next time we see them if they're still alive by season two absolutely i mean i and i think that kind of theory that uh, William's bringing out here is just so good because I think that's the balance, isn't it, sometimes mm-hmm. with these shows when you have beloved characters or characters that have really made a mark, certainly in the opening series, um, that you do want them to continue just purely because you like seeing them on the screen. Mm-hmm. Yet, of course, the dramatic route or even the, the story arc route might be better served with one of them passing away and you kind of think but it just takes them away too soon because of the pleasure you get from watching the performance Um, and certainly that would be the case um, for me if they had done this with the Sykes sisters Absolutely, Uh, I I love the two of them yeah and it just does feel like something that Bruno Heller and Danny Cannon are particularly good at with if you remember obviously as we always say Gotham started out as a show about the cops and because they created such great villains and had such great cast members in Curry Michael Smith particularly and Robin Lord Taylor as, as the Penguin those characters are the ones that stood out for all of the five seasons of that show and they were supposed to only be in it for a few episodes here and there and ended off being very central to the show as central as Jim Gordon, you know? Yeah. Um, so always a good thing. We're going to go on and talk about uh, the final episode now. Thanks so much for all your feedback. Yeah, so again, thank you so much to everyone. I think with that, on with our spoiler-filled review. Derek, what are some of the production details? Well, the episode's called Marianne Faithful. I'm not going to read too much into this because we've been getting these wrong all season as to why they're called, <laughs> the names they're called. Uh, she is known for a number of big things. Once again, I... I leader in the great revolution i suppose of music in the 60s and great revolution of female singers uh, particularly marianne faithful is well known for the big things though uh, her initial hit was as tears go by which was a song also recorded by the rolling stones she co-wrote with mick jagger and keith richards as well later on in her career uh, and we know from the show that both bruno heller and um, danny cannon are much more of Stones people. They're much more Stones guys than the, than the Beatles. A couple of references have been made to the Beatles throughout the show, but they opened the series with the Rolling Stones, you know, so there's definitely some connections in that side of pop history, I suppose, throughout, uh, throughout the 60s as well. Um, one of the major things that Marianne Faithful is known for is that she started her career in one way, kind of a pop singer, and then reinvented herself and was considered a leader in the British invasion of music to the U.S., Maybe that's a reference to Alfred's possible American travel in the future and his own little British invasion of the US, potentially, and reinventing himself as he goes forth uh, into the US. Um, that's what I was thinking all the way up until the final moment of this episode. I'm not sure whether we're actually going to see Alfred leaving the country at the, at the start of season two, if there is one. Um, but it felt like all the way through the show it was setting up the idea that possibly Alfred was on his way off to his adventure in America until those final scenes, which we'll talk about later. But that's my that's my thoughts, I suppose, on why Marianne Faithful. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. And certainly moving forward, hopefully, fingers crossed, toes crossed, legs crossed, everything crossed for a season two of Pennyworth because mm-hmm. I think it's been a really good show. I think it's really sort of evolved into itself, actually, Without as it, the episodes have gone through. So, yeah, uh, for me, I am pro 
uh, season two of Pennyworth. Excellent, excellent. Well, the episode was written by Bruno Heller once again, the showrunner and creator of the show. He's written over seven episodes, I think, for this for this season, uh, and it was directed by Danny Cannon. And um, we've kind of always mentioned that if you have the showrunners back on board for the last episode of the season, you have generally got their vision. Uh, brought to screen it's usually a good sign for a tv show as well and um, throughout the season bruno heller has really been the guiding hand behind it and i suppose as you said it's kind of in- increased every episode i felt much better every single episode coming out of it going this is great this is a really good show you know it started off okay it started up scene setting but not the normal kind of scene setting it was kind of dropping you into a place you'd never seen before and not explaining anything which is something that most shows would take pains to say why you got to this stage they do you know opening scroll or something explaining it but bruno heller was pretty confident in his idea and by the time i got around to episode four or five you could really see what was going on and where the Definitely. show was going yeah. it really has ended off in a good place i think so far but john do you want to tell us where it's ended with your synopsis for the final episode of Hope Hope, Season 1 of Pennyworth. Sure. The Queen is abducted. The Raven Society has started a coup d'etat. The Prime Minister and his government is besieged. And political opponents are being strung up. England is in chaos and on the edge of a dictatorship. And only one man can bring it back from the abyss. Alfred Pennyworth. Still on the run from the law, Alfred has a plan. Stop running and find the Queen, <laughs> along with Baza, Davy Boy, and an increasingly amorous Martha Kane and Thomas Wayne. He tracks the Queen to the Sykes sisters' house. With the Queen safe, order is restored as the army turn on Lord Harwood, Francis Gaunt, and Peggy and Bet Sykes. But as calm returns and royal bedsheets are pulled back, <laughs> a deep secret at the heart of the Pennyworth family is about to be unleashed. The government hold a celebratory banquet in honour of their victory. Alfred's father, one of the Raven Society's old guard, enacts the final desperate plan of the Raven Society. As Alfred's father arms the explosive cake and begins his suicide mission, Alfred tries to stop him. Despite his attempts to disarm his father, the explosion rips through the heart of the establishment. From the burning wreckage of the country manor walks Alfred Pennyworth, carrying the fallen queen in his arms. And then painted black, I guess, to quote another another Rolling <laughs> yeah, Stone absolutely. song. Absolutely. Um that is a massive cliffhanger for a show that hasn't even confirmed if there's a season two. Um we're definitely going to be getting into lots of questions, lots of interesting stuff that went on in this episode but yeah what do you think of that as a as a kind of a close out and possibly we're not going to get a next season of the show until maybe next summer <laughs> i thought this was a great close out there are lots of moments in this episode that were emotional really paid homage to um certainly bond for sure with alfred pennyworth oh, yes. um and, and some really kind of gruesome sights as well um especially with the uh, the hangings of, of political opponents in the street. Um, I, I, I thought this was really, uh, really good. And yeah. of course, uh, the Sykes sisters back in their semi-detached with the Queen under house arrest was uh, a sight to behold as, um, a bit like myself, uh, the, you know, the Queen is trying to force down a fish paste sandwich. <laughs> and yes, fellow governors, uh, that tastes as grim and as gruesome as it sounds. Trust oh. me, I remember these uh, lovely jars of paste, beef paste, chicken oh. paste, fish paste, you name it. 
toothpaste uh, <laughs> all uh, on on a sandwich grim though like toothpaste on a sandwich yes <laughs> i'm not sure that you'd have toothpaste on a sandwich but rationing you know it uh, would have been better to fish paste uh, <laughs> trust me possibly let's get into our questions for the episode john we've been going through the entire season i'm not too sure how well it's worked and <laughs> we've had our five questions about the episode to set up our big moments something a bit different to the way we normally do them uh, question one how did the raven society seize power I appoint Lord Harwood as my new Prime Minister, invested with full sovereign power. He has my full trust and confidence. So yes, following on from the end of last week's episode, we have the Sykes sisters taking out the hunters and taking out everybody and then kidnapping the queen. Uh, intriguing here, and I like it again, we have the hunter uh, who's still alive, the one who's who's holding onto his face, walking into trees, calls in the fact that the queen has been kidnapped from his uh, car phone <laughs> again back in the 60s. Um, convenient uh, when they need to use it. I love that, you know, writers oh, since the 80s have been trying to write out cell phones from their movies because it ruins horror movies, it ruins the dra drama that was there when you couldn't just pick up a phone and call anybody. Yet these guys have to kind of use car phones because that's the only way to get information passed really quickly. You know, you can't send an, send an owl to uh, to your local um, constabulary to say the, the queen's been kidnapped. So they've got car phones. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I suppose it is the classic uh, coup d'etat. I suppose kidnap the beloved head of state, ask her to say a few words that effectively say, these people who've just kidnapped me and who are holding a knife to, to my throat are the good guys. Um, hand over all power to them. The army, hang on, you go and help them out because the other lot, the prime minister, uh, the incumbent prime minister and the other government members need to get out of the resign and, and off you go. Yeah. So, uh, yes, th this is this is really um, a, a good little moment um, of, of building up this this seizure of power by the Raven Society. Yeah. Um, and uh, yes, it, it, it's really kind of nice to see that they've taken the Queen here to the Sykes semi-detached. Um, I couldn't think of a better place to put uh, Her Majesty than probably on a slightly musty sofa somewhere in a semi-detached house in the Pennines in the north of England mm -hmm. being uh, subjected to her um, subject <laughs> to her subjects exactly yeah i mean just really really nicely done and i kind of you know you did slightly reference this earlier on there is also this kind of like they're still living on war rations uh in manchester here you know this this idea of the of the paste that's being put on sandwiches to please the queen you know this must be mrs spicer's best moment of her life she's finally serving sandwiches to the queen that all look awful um i i do like this moment but it does feel like they're they're playing a little bit with time again because this does feel like rationing uh yeah and, and forcing the queen to deal with rationing. definitely yeah. i mean i think not only the fish paste there was cheese and pickle mm -hmm. um pickle. The, the the spices actually dressed up um so it was mm -hmm. good to see that they managed to be fully dressed for the queen and <laughs> um, she wasn't walking around in her knickers uh, and um I, we didn't see Mr. Spicer, um, but we assumed that he was also um, respectably dressed. Although uh, later on in the episode, we do see that maybe 
He was jumping out of uh, a few too many closets, probably to scare the queen, uh, wondering, you know, who would be behind that door with a knife mm. and a gimp outfit. Absolutely. I don't know whether he dressed up or dressed up, I suppose, uh, whichever way you want to say it. <laughs> uh, just want to call out, we mentioned on the last episode, episode nine, that we were wondering whether Miss Spicer was alive because she had, you know, her head blown in half on the ground. Uh, it was pointed out to me over on Reddit uh, by Yachts. They confirmed that actually when Mrs. Spicer was in the car driving up there looking really happy with herself, she had that piece on her head that made it look like her head was already blown off. Uh, when I was watching that the first time, I just thought it was a hat that she had on, but it was actually <laughs> exactly the same place where her brains were supposed to be spilling out of her head. <laughs> but I saw, I think it just went by a bit too fast, so I thought it was a hat. <laughs> just to mention that. Thanks very much, Yachts, for pointing that out. Um, it's great to see Mrs. Spicer back uh, for this episode, and I'm glad that she survived through to season two as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, unlike Mr. Spicer. Exactly, which we will talk about later on. But just some other bits about the Raven Society and how they seize power. It was interesting to see uh, Lord Harwood did sacrifice his wife and the butler. Yeah, um, absolutely. Both of them first casualties, really, in the war. They're they're hanging uh, up inside his house when the police come uh, to get them. Um, and also interesting to see how quickly Harwood sets up operations once he's been given power. Like, you know, it's like as if... It's a game of risk and he's just pushed his men into the, into the center of the city, you know. Uh, he's got all his maps set out with all the areas of London that he needs to control, you know. It feels like he's been in his bedroom planning this for quite a while. Definitely. I think these are the best laid plans indeed. And mm-hmm. in fact, we do see that afterwards that also, you know, if it goes wrong, he does have contingencies in place uh-huh. to try and seize that iron out of the fire. So yeah, I, I, I liked how this seizure of power was done. Yet yeah, maybe a little quick for sure. Certainly I felt that his uh, fall from grace seemed very quick or, or just very abrupt. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Look, that's really just nitpicking on my behalf, mm-hmm. uh, just because I, I really liked how they were beginning to establish this takeover of power. And part of me actually thought that that was how it was going to be left in that you would, I think we had that conversation on the previous podcast where mm-hmm. we would have this kind of uh, French resistance type tale for season two with uh, Thomas Wayne, Martha Kane, uh Baza, Davy Boy, and Alfred kind of, you know, on the run in the hills, forming a resistance to try and take back, uh, the, the seat of government yeah. for the queen and the prime minister away from this dictator. Yeah. But, um, ultimately as well, as with all things, um, friends, allies can quickly become, uh, your enemies. And I, mm-hmm. I do like the way that this all sort of hinges on, on the army. Yeah, yeah, that would have been a really good, a really good plan for this season. I suppose it's a way of justifying why the show's called Pennyworth as opposed to the Raven Society takes over the England or something like that, you know, or the Great British Revolution or something like that. You know, it's to justify that by saying, let's take it back down to a personal moment between Pennyworth and his father, I suppose, towards the end of the episode. But I absolutely love that idea. I wish they kind of set it up that this would be the way season two develops, but it may just develop that way. You know, we have this big moment at the end that doesn't actually tell us that the Raven Society are gone for good. It, you know, it does set up a potential for them in the future. And um, one of the bit, yeah, as you mentioned, the, the army are heavily involved in this. Uh, we have Harwood also showing off his craziness when he's on the phone to the PM kind of going, no, no, you have to give up your power now. 
And the PM's going, you need, need a moment to think about this. And he's like, well, what is there to think about? I have the Queen, I have all the cards, and she's just told you to give up power. So I'll expect you out there, I'm going to string you up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's only because of the, the leader of the army, the main general of the army, who's telling him to back off for 24 hours. It's only, that's the only reason, I think, that the PM survives up until that final moment. It's really interesting because, you know, as you say, Lord, Lord Harwood has the army, he has the Queen, he even has the Windermere's mm-hmm. if the Queen doesn't play ball. But for me, all the way through this, I was thinking, um, until she was arrested, mm-hmm. does he have Francis Gaunt? Because she was still very much sort of at unease with what was going on yeah, really yeah, yeah. Uh, and i i liked that i liked how that played um between the two these two characters because you do get that moment where lord harwood you know he recognizes her loyalty but he knows and he can see that there maybe is a slight waver from her and so there's nothing like two thugs to really uh, stop that wavering um mm-hmm. when he's down in his sort of uh, field command center uh, and I, I really liked that. I thought that gave a really interesting uh, look at maybe this type of dictatorship um, in, in the sense that quite easily they can turn in on themselves um, and purge members of their own party, society or whatever in, in order to retain that grip on power because it is about that grip on power yeah. uh, and you know they will happily purge anything that gets in the way including people so I, I like that tension between Francis Gaunt uh, and Lord Harwood and I think as well this, this notion of a death list that Thomas Wayne and Martha Kane talk about and, and them being on the top of it that you know, we do see here not not only Lady Harwood and the butler being hung in the Harwood Manor House, but also seeing uh, Udine Thwaite uh, arrested and um, and hung as well uh, in, in this moment as Alfred's um, father uh, walks past on his way to a Raven Society meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was really, really nicely done. Just the seizure of power, uh, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's also great in context that over in the UK, they've been showing the rise of the Nazis uh, on TV at the moment. It's like as if it's planned to go alongside this because this week's episode was all about the Nazis seizing power in, uh, in Europe, in Germany during uh, this period in, in the 1930s, effectively. And it feels like it's grafted directly from that into this uh, this moment with the Raven Society as they're taking it over. You know, as you say, Francis Gaunt is being told... I need your loyalty right now. And it's so well played by Jason Fleming because he doesn't say any words to her. All you see is, I need your loyalty right now. You need to stand beside me. And you just kind of see in the background two guys coming closer to her. And she realizes instantly that that's a threat in her life. Um, Let's get off the Raven Society for this first question and move on to our second question, John. Yes, on to question number two. How can Alfred stay in the UK? What's the occasion? (laughs) No, no, they don't tell us. Now we just got to stop any and all suspicious-looking characters and bring them in for questioning. That's all. So where are you boys off to, then? Back to our ship. Oh, sailors, are you? Yeah. Anchors, are we? You'll have your union cards, then. Sir, we're lit. Our ship might leave without us. <laughs> nah, you're safe. No ship's allowed to leave port. Union cards. For sake. Anchors away. 
So basically here we have Alfred uh, still on the run uh, in the UK after not upholding his end of the bargain mm-hmm. um, after being released from prison. You know, he, he doesn't kill anyone with his sniper uh, gun. So ultimately he's still on the run. I love that um, Baza and David Boy there are trying to help him to get to New Orleans. Yeah. Um, those docks for me... Um, dare I say it looked very familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, not because I necessarily walked them, uh, dead at <laughs> night, uh, in, in the misty sea fog, but because, um, it looked like they were at, down at Liverpool docks. Right. I, I can't be certain, but it, it just reminded me of, uh, the, hmm. the docks in Liverpool. Yes. Uh, but I may be totally wrong there, but it certainly reminded me of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was really nice to see this. And I loved that backdrop actually of of the docks with the cranes yeah. and so on i mean they use that to such great effect having um that location i i just thought it was really uh nicely done i love that first bit with the uh with the police as well coming to 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 get them wondering what they're doing you know yeah. everyone needs to report in there's this coup happening and i i loved how you know, you just get the sigh from Alfred as it's like, okay, we're going to have to basically hit you now. Yeah. And, and we're still going to be on the run. And and it all seems fairly tragic for him. So I, I really, really liked um, seeing Alfred on the run. And I, to be honest, I absolutely love the fact that he's with Baza and Davy Boy. Because I, I think these three are just absolutely uh, fantastic. Yeah. There is... Uh, a great moment with uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne a- after Alfred has decided, well, the best way to stop running from the law is to go and save the Queen because mm-hmm. that's, you know, there's um, chaos going on. If I do this, I get the pardon. Uh, I become a hero. Uh, and uh, there's a moment where they're driving, um, you know, going on the lead that it could, they could be at the Sykes uh, sister's house uh, and you've got Thomas and Martha all kind of uh, really relishing in in their newfound openness about maybe uh, their feelings towards one another I think you have Thomas Wayne saying well I like you um, but I wanted to help and you have Martha saying you like me like sex like me uh, you know and there's that awkward silence um, but then you have Davy Boy and Baza turn around in the front seats mm-hmm. and just their expressions on their face it is priceless. And I love the fact that this little moment of comedy happens, you know, as this team is heading on a mission to rescue the Queen. So uh, it was just really nice. I'm really glad they utilized Baza and David Boy uh, in, in this episode. And I loved them in this. I absolutely agree with you. And I think we're kind of seeing a little bit more as we get into this final episode of the season. We're seeing the differences between those two major characters there. We kind of see Baz as the brains. He's the one that organized the trip to get Alfie out of, out to New Orleans, get him on the boat. He's the one that tells him, you know, you need to just stay below decks for a week or two. And once you get out of there, um, you have the rest of the time above decks. Everybody knows you and you'll be safe. And then the, on the other side, you've got Dave Boy in the background, kind of the brawn, as he's always been, the one that's willing to reach for his gun, reach for his weapon. And as the cop says to him, you know, oh, are you guys, na- are you guys Navy? And he's like, yes, anchors away, <laughs> which ruins the whole thing. And Alfred knows he's the one that's ruined it. So I like this. Uh, there's the setting up of their personalities properly and stabilizing them as we get to the end of this series. So hopefully we'll see more of them next season. There definitely was that moment on the docks when you see Alfred about to get on the ship. I thought this was going to culminate in them arriving in America 
meeting up with Thomas and Martha Wayne, who were also trying to leave at the same time. And I thought this was that moment between Dave Boy and Baza saying, Definitely. we're not going to see you again, are we? And he's like, I'll send you a postcard. I thought it was going to be that. I thought it was like, right, I'm off. Um, see you later, guys, you know? Uh, and Pennyworth goes off on his new adventure with a brand new cast for season two, you know? Yeah, I mean, I really hope they don't do that. Uh, certainly, for me, I'm just not ready at this moment yeah. for Alfred, Davy Boy, and Bazza to be split up. I really like this trio. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how they interact. There's just some really great moments there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed I totally agree. Um, Alfred. On the run, not on the run, let's save the Queen. It yeah. was kind of all fairly um, bish, bash, bosh, mm-hmm. done. Absolutely. And speaking of the same thing, as I mentioned there, about Thomas and Martha also about to leave the country had kind of fitted into this this question here, I suppose. Uh, The actual question is, how can Alfred, Thomas and Martha stay in or leave the UK? (laughs) But it was way too long. Um, I like Thomas going to Martha and telling her all of the information that he has from the CIA, effectively saying that there's going to be attack, there's been a coup, we need to get abroad. And he wants to take her with him. And uh, this idea of the, of the Raven's death list comes up here where yeah, he says, definitely. you know, if anybody's on the death list, as two of us, we were seen as the patsies who were trying to negotiate with the Raven Society when those shots happened. And now that they've taken power. We are absolutely gone. Um, and in order to save Martha, he has to tell her about Undyne Twice. He has to tell her that it was all arranged and all supported by the CAA. She, tr- she killed her husband in front of herself to show the public that it couldn't possibly have been her and the shooter was Alfred. So the whole story is just revealed uh, in front of Martha, who doesn't believe him initially. Uh, it takes a little time. And as you say, the reason why she does believe him eventually is because he finally admits that he has feelings for her. Um, interesting. Yeah. No, it, it, it's amazing that that was so open, actually. Um, it, it's something that could have been sort of drawn out further. But I mm-hmm. think, you know, not knowing whether you get in a season two, I think it it felt right that it all came out here. Yeah. Um, I, I think it really did because I think it, it helps to propel, uh, Martha and, uh, Thomas's relationship or at least trust, uh, in their relationship. And I, I don't mean a loving relationship at this moment, but you know, it, it adds to that depth of their relationship. Yeah. I, I kind of like the way that Martha kind of twists the knife with Thomas a little bit. She seems to be enjoying the fact that he may have feelings for her and hasn't really worked out. And that kind of gives her a power. As we said earlier on in the season, when his sister Patricia was around, she's basically been told that Thomas always dumps girlfriends. Thomas always dumps the women in his life. And Martha sees kind of a bit, bit of a challenge there, I think. You know, maybe we'll get into a relationship and maybe I'll be the one in power. Maybe that's what Thomas likes about me. So she feels like she's in a bit more of a powerful situation with him. Because remember, all the way through... He's been telling her what to do. He's been telling her not to go to the CIA. He's been telling her she can't come to Crowley's house with him when he was doing that investigation. We hear here when, when Alfred comes up with the plan to save the queen from the psych sisters, she agrees to go with him and then says, Thomas, you're, you're, you can leave if you want to. You don't have to come with me. Exactly the same kind of lines that Thomas has been saying. So she's moving into that position of power in the relationship as well. So uh, quite cool. Yeah, definitely. And we do get that deepening of the relationship with Thomas and, and Martha and Alfred as well, when Alfred reveals to them that he could have killed them, but he decided to shoot in the air above their heads instead because he does have a little bit of a closer relationship with them as well. So. Yeah, certainly Martha, I think, because um, they went hmm. to 
um, sort of hell village uh, earlier on in the season. <laughs> and with, kissed. W- and mm-hmm. kissed and had the Wicker Man. So certainly, um, I, yeah, I really like that. I also loved, again, this this thing from Alfred where he says, well, but I, I didn't uh, shoot you. I decided against shooting you and just giving you warning shots, uh-huh. basically. He goes, however, Davy Boy and Baza, um were both fine <laughs> that I should kill you. Like, they were saying, just kill them and let's get on with it. Mm-hmm. And of course, Thomas reacted with thanks very much to Alfred and F you to the other two guys. <laughs> it was really good fun. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on to question number three. Just a little point, really, on what's life like under Harwood. And it's more really to do with Mr. Pennyworth's reaction. Who's done it, mother? Who's done it? Who's done it? Who's done what? Lord Harwood has struck the ravers as Archie's overthrown the government. The revolution has come. Uh, we saw on that phone call at the beginning of the episode where he's talking to Alfred and, you know, let's say mother uh, Penny Pennyworth was in tears. Like she was really distraught about the fact that she's losing her son. And you have Mr. P coming downstairs, getting on the phone with Alfred, chatting away to him on the phone and saying, I don't want you to talk to you too much because I don't want you to reveal any information to me. But something's happening that may mean you'll be coming home very soon. So he gives them the little moments there to say, Alfred... I'm involved in a coup that's about to happen, effectively. And you see him celebrating in this moment when the streets are filled with Harwood's tanks effectively coming in. You hear him cheering from upstairs, giving his wife a big hug and a big kiss, saying, Harwood's won, he's the winner, and cheering them on down the street, you know? Um, this, this I think, works really well when you have that moment later on in the episode where Alfred and his mother are both going, feel something's a bit off here. I think yeah, it works definitely. really well because you have all of these moments leading up to it where you could absolutely say this guy's been acting differently than he was in the past. Yeah, and de- definitely. I, I really like this kind of um, family secret in a sense, although it's not really a secret from Alfred's mother. But mm-hmm. um, I, I like the fact that, you know, they know something is off with him. I, I like the fact that we go in a little deeper because, you know, up till now we've only really seen um, Alfred's father at the event in the park mm-hmm. where Lord Harwood w- was giving his rally cry. We've seen him at a sort of a town hall type meeting with Francis Gaunt. But here we actually see he is um, the the leader of kind of a Raven Society Lodge and that he's part of this old guard or they call themselves the old guard. And, you know, he gives this sort of rallying speech going, you know, we are the old guard. We are different from the new members in that we will die for our cause. You know, we are the last line of defense to protect what is happening out on the streets. And, you know, in that sense, he is absolutely um, fine with the martial law, with the tanks and the army coming on the street. We see him saluting them. I mean, I, I think that moment where he is looking up at uh, Udine Thwaites' body, there's a poignancy to it in that he's looking up there and there is no remorse. It's like, job done. Uh, and... I thought this was like really good to flesh out um his character like mm-hmm. that and certainly with this lodge and of course this lodge and the old guard um suddenly becomes hugely important right at the end yeah. you know that last throw of the dice that um Lord Harwood uh, makes to try and cling on to power 
and to seize victory from the jaws of defeat, so to speak. So mm-hmm. I, I thought this was really um, good to put Alfred's dad in that moment. And um, certainly given that Alfred um, had been sort of reveling in his victory over Harwood with the monarch. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I suppose that's kind of what's interesting about life under Harwood. You know, there are people that supported Harwood all along and Mr. Pennyworth was one of them. You know, we had him saying, you know, the world will be a better place when the Raven Society are in power. And here we are. We have lynchings. We have killings. We have people dying all over the place, people being arrested all over the place for not supporting the Raven League. You know, you hear those announcements over the uh, over the tannoys saying that martial law has been declared anybody other than the police or the raven society that is in the streets is going to be arrested you know that's that's quite significant and this stuff rolls in really fast you know obviously they've got a very short amount of time to tell this massive story and um, it doesn't tell us that it's happening over weeks it seems to only be happening over a day or so but the amount of things that are being that are coming into play so quickly is really interesting um it does smack of quite a significant fall for the no name league I do wonder, you know, just speaking externally about the TV show itself, I wonder if this was an idea that they were coming up with for a three or four season arc and then crushed it into just this one season because the No Name League really do bear the brunt of everything. They have lost their first leader, killed by his wife. You've got Undine Thwaite now hanging uh, in the streets. Um, Martha Wayne, the only other major member of the No Name League that we are aware of, has been told to turn her back on the league as they're torn asunder by the Ravens. So I don't know, was this supposed to be a bigger storyline between all of them against each other? Or did they just decide there's no point in giving them a name since they're not going to survive the season? <laughs> it could have been that. I mean, that they really do seem to dissolve there yeah. really quickly. I mean, I love the fact even that John Ripper, uh-huh. you kind of have had this idea. He is this absolute strategist um he's got fingers in every pie um i mean to some extent i even thought that he was um maybe double crossing udin thwaite um maybe a raven maybe a member of the government uh secret service uh but i love the fact that even in that moment he slinks off as udin thwaite is being uh arrested yeah as undine's being dragged away and then hung up in the streets He's looking back at her, you know, just as if he's just gotten out of bed with her as well, because you see his shirt's not fully buttoned up as he's leaving, uh, as he's leaving Undine's apartment. Uh, he's just not even buttoned up and he's just kind of slinking off into the background. So, yeah. you know, he's, ready for another day, ready for machinations against somebody else. But he does seem really shocked that he got out of that situation. Absolutely. Like he is the true um opportunist here. And Yes. And that makes me think maybe he's the one that called and told them where Undyne Thwaite was as well, because he was in the house. Maybe that's what the look is on his face, that he's revealed where she was. Yeah, it could very well be. I mean, I think, as you say, there is such a big story here that it could easily have been done over a number of seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, And here we have it in one. So I wonder whether we will truly understand John Ripper's involvement here? Because I think that there's certainly still some unanswered questions around John Ripper and even Jason Ripper and and maybe what was going on there. I mean, maybe they're not really important any longer uh, and and we don't, but I think this was such an interesting family Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, part of this show and this season so far. Um, I think even with uh, Alistair Crowley as well, you know, that 
still feels like there's something there, given the importance of um, Thomas Wayne and his kind of revelation moment in the basement of Alistair Crowley's house. It, yeah. it feels like there's unfinished uh, business there. Um, and I would say that's one of the only things about this season is that I do think some of the threads, maybe they don't need to be tied up, let's be honest, but I feel that they could have been brought to a uh, a closer connection with some of the things right. and events that went down in this episode, and dare I say, maybe even episode nine as well. Yeah, well, possibly, you know, if there is a season two, these are people that Alfred can go and talk to. I think throughout the episode, I was feeling that he was going to board that boat or board that plane over to Gotham or over to the US even uh, and get away from the UK so we'd never see these characters again, you know, and you have that moment going... Well, if you're not going to see them again, well, what was the point in having them in the story in the first place? You know, um, but absolutely, if we're going to have a season two and he's still staying in London, of course, you're going to need other characters to flesh out that story and ask those questions to and find out about them. Uh, one of the characters that's dealt with in these moments as Lord Harwood takes over is just Aziz. Just because I mentioned last episode that I think Aziz is one of the characters that I've really been enjoying because of how he's playing the people around him. I was just intrigued by having the, the prime minister and him, uh, Side by side, I suppose, to what they thought was going to be their end as they're under attack and preparing for war. The PM thanks Aziz for staying with him and he goes, well, if there was a way out, you know, I would have taken it. You're giving me way too much credit here. But if I must go, I'm glad I'm going with honorable company. So still kind of keeping his bread buttered on the right side, as they'd say, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the two things I love from this was that you really got the sense that number 10 Downing Street was turning into the Alamo. Uh-huh. Um, and I was expecting a bit of a gunfight through the windows of 10 Downing Street. And certainly because, and this is the second point that I really liked uh, about this between the Prime Minister and Inspector Aziz, is this double-barrel shotgun-wielding uh, Prime Minister as mm-hmm. he, you know, dare I say it, locks and loads uh, ready to take on uh, Lord Harwood's forces. So, yeah, this was a nice little moment, I thought, for sure. Yeah. Um, but shall we move on to question number four? Yes. How exactly was the Queen saved? If we rescued a Queen, I'm sorted, aren't I? Wouldn't need to run. Never mind Newgate. Knighthoods all round. <laughs> I could stay with Mum and Dad. And if we fail? Fail? Gertrude. Part of the thing I had under this point was just about Bess and the Queen's relationship <laughs> in this uh, in this episode. I love Peggy's reaction to how cruel Bess is being at times. You know, you have uh, Bess talking to the Queen going, um, if you want to live, then you need to do what you're told. <laughs> yeah. Peggy's kind of looking at her going, you're not going to kill the Queen. She's she's here for a specific reason. We've been ordered by Harwood. You're not going to kill her. And then even later on, when they're having that discussion and playing that game, the Happy Families game, um, Beth starts getting more and more aggressive with the Queen for winning the game, effectively. Uh, and Peggy's kind of talking her down, going, look, she's there's a challenge on the throne. We've kidnapped her. She's in Manchester, away from her home, with people like us. She's had a knife at her throat. She's not looking at your cards to try and win the stupid card game, is she, Beth? That was <laughs> so, so good. I Fantastic. Mean, this was just a nice move on from the fish paste where the spices are serving the Queen afternoon tea. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this game of Happy Family was just really good to see, you know, as you say, with this idea um, that the Queen is cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, will she echoes like as well? <laughs> where it's like, will she echo? You know, she's not doing this. As you say, she's 
basically trying to survive. She's not going to, you know, um, get you angry in any way so that you'll try and kill her. Uh, and of course, as they're in this moment of playing happy families, mm-hmm. um, in bursts Alfred, uh, gun in hand to save the day, uh, and rescue the queen. I'm quite impressed with, you know, it starts out with Martha at the door and they're trying to do this kind of surreptitious arrival. You know, she knocks on the door. It looks like an innocent woman outside. Uh, Thomas tries to come up with something on the spot to get them into the house. And then Martha just push, punches Mrs. Spicer in the face and walks in through the door as Alfred and the two boys, Dave Boy and, and Baza, arrive to kind of clear all the corners and make sure there's nobody in hiding. They did, didn't did check the closet, unfortunately, for Mr. They Spicer. Didn't. I uh, mean, that was like a jack-in-the-box, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, well, I, dare I say it, you know, a bondage, knife-wielding jack-in-the-box. But nonetheless, I, I was just like, where did he come from? I know. And then I was like, well, I hadn't seen him, and I was wondering what was happening to him. But yeah, obviously, he was locked up for the day um, with uh, probably in some kind of stress position, uh, waiting <laughs> with a knife. for his moment um, to to effectively try and stop this rescue of the Queen. He does stab um, Davy Boy, but uh, unfortunately, Mr. Spicer is no more. R.I.P. Mr. Spicer. Yes, shot in the head by Baza. Um, pretty definitively as well, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, we do get this kind of roundup later on when they're making that phone call after they've freed the Queen, um, where everybody in the, is in the room. Everybody's in one room sitting side by side to each other. Just to show you that even though Dave Boy has been uh, hit in the chest for, what, the fourth time this season? Yeah, he's, he's had a pretty okay. rough ride this yeah. season. <laughs> I'm yeah. wondering if the knife went through the hole that was also a hole from a previous gunshot wound <laughs> that he got in the first episode, you know, potentially. Um, definitely another square on the board game of Clue, isn't it? Mr. Spicer in an S&M outfit in a wardrobe <laughs> with the knife. <laughs> Um, Absolutely. So on the on the guy's resume, I played a knife wielding gimp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very impressive. Very impressive. Excellent stuff. <laughs> but it. good to see Dave Boy still alive. He seems to be a person that cannot die in this show. I'd love if they changed his name to be um, the character from Gotham that was killed by uh, by Catwoman by Selena Kyle in season one of the show or season two of, of Gotham. Uh, it'd be really interesting that Dave Boy survived all of these years with all of these attacks from everybody and then he gets to Gotham and meets Selena and she kills him. <laughs> That'd <laughs> yeah. be just a nice little nice little reveal if they did that. But I don't think they go to unfortunately. Uh, but yes, that's how they saved the Queen. Um, Dave Boy is fine along with everybody else. Harwood is working on the death list. When he when they gets that phone call, you hear him actually saying the death list out going if you can kill that guy, then you don't have to kill that guy. But actually, you might as well kill that guy anyway. <laughs> and you hear him just going through these these machinations in his mind. And in the background, getting more and more het up, actually, you do see Frances Gaunt kind of freaking out that she's standing in the same room as this man who's putting a list together of of the people that he's going to kill. Yeah, absolutely. But that's when the call comes in from the Queen to take him out. And uh, yeah, leader of the army kind of going... You know what? I don't normally take pleasure in taking orders, but now I'm going to take some serious pleasure in taking you out uh, as he takes out the two guys on either side of Yeah, of that Harwood. was nicely done, actually. I love how he whispers it to his captain, mm-hmm. uh, and she goes around and just sort of assassin-like shoots the two uh, bodyguards in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, certainly this coup has failed pretty much before it got started. For some, it started too soon, and uh, yes, it, it did finish them off like undying Thwaite, but um, yeah, I uh, I liked how the army general uh, takes back 
control. Not that I want to use that phrase, uh, but certainly, uh, you know, brings order to proceedings and ultimately ensures that um, the coup has finished. Absolutely. And removes the ceremonial nose from Harwood as well. Okay, yeah, <laughs> Takes off his nose to spite <laughs> the British people. And we do get the pyjama prisoners. Yes. Um, it looks like they're having a nice cosy night in during the winter about to settle down, except for the fact that they're... Um, are the cell bars there. Yeah. Um, Do you know that really reminded me of something from <laughs> Batman 66? That reminded me of something that you'd see in the, in the movie actually where you have Penguin and you have Riddler and you have all of them lined up in a bunch of cells beside each other. That's really what it reminded me of. Yeah. Uh, because it, it just looks weird that you'd get your four major prisoners to cause this coup and put them all side by side by side in these prisons. Uh, <laughs> that would be a very weird thing to do. But in pajamas and not pajamas. like prison oranges. Well, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I must say, I, I love that pajama party mm-hmm. in, in prison. Yeah, really good to see. And of course, after ensuring that the British people are, are safe, uh, and sort of making sure that, uh, she has communicated this to her public, um, there is a bit of rumpy pumpy between <laughs> the, the royal, uh, lady and, uh, Alfred yeah. as he, yeah, effectively bags the queen. I must say that here, I think Jack Bannon plays this so well, this kind of tense awkwardness that is also filled with pride mm-hmm. in that he has, you know, just had this intimate evening, uh, with the queen as I presume that this is, um, you know, she fancies, uh, the ass off him a bit, but like, uh, I really enjoyed how, uh, Jack Bannon played this sort of pride. Slightly um, awkward, maybe a little shame, um, fish out of water kind of thing. Really, really nicely done. Oh, cheeky chappy. There's definitely and that. cheeky chappy. Yeah, that that yeah. moment where where the queen says to him, "Now you can't tell anybody about this," and he goes, "No, believe me at all." Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I went over to the queen's house for the afternoon and she slept with me. Like that's yeah, not something that generally would happen. Two other things are on this as well. Um, so when the Queen relays her message to the, the British people, mm-hmm. the, the TV channel is BTN. Mm. And I, that immediately struck a chord and I don't know whether it is purposeful or, or what, but the TV propaganda, uh, channel in V for Vendetta written by Alan Moore is BTN. Oh, really? Um, yeah, at least in the film, I can't remember now from the, um, graphic novel. But, uh, it, it's, it's the same, uh, thing. And again, V for Vendetta is about this authoritarian, dictatorial, um, regime that is effectively curfewing the hell out of the entire British public. And, uh, yes, uh, really interesting little parallel there. So I, I just wondered if that was a little nod to the, the BTN, uh, propaganda news channel, um, like Fox News, I suppose, uh, but from, uh, V for Vendetta. Or Sky News. Yep. Yeah. And there's a great, the British, the British television network is what it's called. Yes. In, uh, in v for Vendetta. Yeah, um, and also just before we get to see the, uh, the morning after between Al 
Alfie uh, and the Queen. Uh, there's a great establishing shot of Buckingham Palace, this aerial shot mm-hmm. as, it, as it goes in, uh, and you just get the outline of a blimp again, just that hint of the the 1930s Very kind cool. of war period. Um, really good. I really liked it. I must say again, it's it's hats off to the uh, special effects uh, on this show because it really adds that flavor of the time or times yeah. um, that this show is set in. Absolutely, because of the effects doing a wonderful job as well. And just one final thing to mention, that speech that the Queen gives to the public to tell them that she's all safe. I like that she uses pretty much the same lines that were given to her to start her speech um, to the PM. It's almost exactly the same. I'm here amongst friends. I'm safe. It's almost exactly the same lines that she says to the British public to confirm that she's safe as well. So, uh, so I just, just thought that was kind of a nice touch. Let's get on to question five. We are in the final episode. It is a season finale. So it all ends here. Where is everyone? Well, I'm very proud of you, son. Very proud. I'm glad you're placed. <sighs> I would have thought you'd have quite liked the look of Howard and the Ravens. Order and strength and all that. And all that. Well, I dare say there's nothing wrong with order and strength, but what do I know? We don't know what's going to happen in the future, so it's good to kind of catch where everybody is in the show. Uh, we saw Aziz, obviously, with the PM early on in the episode, in that moment where he's kind of declaring on the side of the PM, saying he's, yeah. a, he's a good man, I suppose, yeah. but... It doesn't seem to feature in that final moment at the mansion uh, at the end of the episode. Um, just looking at some of the other characters, Baz and Davy Boy head back to the Sever- Severed Arms and talk to the landlord there. There's a little gag about, oh, what a weak coup, eh? Uh, what have you guys been up to? <laughs> Nothing, really. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then we do have his daughter arriving, and they say they don't know where Alfie is. So uh, cutting Sandra off from Alfie again, uh, that is just followed up by the moment that uh, that Alfred's coming out of the Queen's bedroom. So um, so interesting that uh, that they cut Sandra and his relationship off as he's bedding the Queen uh, in the background. Um, seems like popular opinion, that speech that the Queen made seems to have placated the people of, of London, at least. Uh, the people that we see on screen kind of going, well, we're all one country, right? There is that line that's used by the landlord as well, which is a reasonably well-known line about, if you don't like it, get to the back of the queue. Uh, kind of a we are one nation and if you don't like it go back to where you came from is kind of the is kind of the sentiment of that so once again saying not everything's buried uh in in behind everything that's happened that the queen's taken back over there is still a lot of problems uh in this version of the uk right yeah absolutely um i, th- I think one of the other good things here was um seeing thomas and martha finally sort of coming together getting together mm. um and sort of building that relationship that kind of came out in the back of that van on the way to rescue the Queen. Yeah. Uh, But ultimately, I think for me, that's great. I'm happy if that relationship takes a lot longer to develop, if Mm -hmm. we get a season two. Um, that, That doesn't have to be a rush for me, but I think, you know, we get the big shock of Thomas being shot from outside whilst... Him and uh, Martha are in the um, in the apartment. Mm-hmm. I think, as you put it, Derek, uh, a retirement from the CIA, perhaps. Did you have that moment where you're watching it kind of go, and we've seen episodes of The Flash, in seasons of The Flash, where they change the entire history of the show by killing off a character. Did you have that moment where you're going, whoa, did they just kill Thomas Wayne? I have to say I did. Yeah. I, I thought I, there was a moment that he seemed to go too long 
without breathing where I was going. Yeah. They are definitely changing the show. Alfred is is taking his name and going off to to Gotham with Martha. And the bullet seemed to hit pretty firmly in the chest. So uh-huh. it wasn't like it was gunfire and both him and Martha um, were able to dive to cover. He got straight hit with the bullet yeah. um, and and dropped on, on first contact after mm-hmm. you hear that machine gun and, and spray of bullets. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for sure... In, in some ways, I wasn't expecting him to come around either. I, I thought that was going to be more of, you know, we get a season two. I didn't think they were going to necessarily rewrite it, the history, but yeah. certainly that he was going to be in season two, you know, if they continued it straight after, um, he would be in hospital right. having serious issues mm-hmm. and that's maybe where he then decides to study being a doctor right. the the philanthropic side of the wayne family because he's had the help from these nurses doctors surgeons and so on so yeah i didn't think he was gonna wake up i i don't know whether mouth to mouth was required martha probably just wanted to slip another bit of tongue in there <laughs> uh, after what they've been doing on the couch but certainly um i i was wondering whether you know doing chest compressions was actually the thing to do because he seemed like he'd been shot in mm. the chest i was expecting him to wake up go ow <laughs> well they do say put pressure on it and then take pressure off and put pressure on again and then breathe into the mouth that's not what you do don't do that if you see someone with a gunshot wound um, but i did really like the scene i must say because i was suddenly taken with that thing of they've been saying all along this is an alternate history and they've been saying all along we've never heard the story back in london will they change something as massive as this and i'd said uh, you know i'd said as we'd gone through the season that i was really hopeful that they wouldn't change this big moment but i wouldn't put it past them i suppose was kind of where i was at this moment and in and this particular scene i was going I wouldn't put it past these guys to kill off Thomas Wayne and give us a brand new story if they do get a season two, you know, a big shock horror end of the season. But we do see him take a breath. We do see him waking back up. So most likely alive if we do see a future of these characters. And that's it for the periphery characters. The main, obviously, end of all of the rest of the characters comes, as I said, in a much more personal way than probably we were expecting, as the whole show has been leading to this showdown between the government the Raven Society and the No Name League, that's actually played out within the first 29 minutes of this 52-minute episode. Yeah. The rest of the episode really is a lot more personal, it feels like, anyway, to bring it down to Mr. De- P definitely. versus Alfred. You definitely. Know? Uh, for me, I thought this was absolutely wonderful, um, Alfred and his dad. You know, th- there's, there's a feeling that... I think it's that moment where we know that Alfred's dad is the leader of this Raven Society Lodge. Mm. And we've heard about the old guard and all that. And it isn't until Lord Harwood talks about the old guard from the cell that you kind of start to wonder. And then you realize he's the butler for the the manor house where this celebratory meal is going on. But it's all that lead up where, you know, it, it feels like, um, his dad is trying to build bridges, make amends. You know, they're sharing a whiskey here. And, and you know, he, he's fairly matter of fact where he says, I suppose you had something to do with overturning this coup. Um, and, and Alfred going, well, I thought you would like the Ravens, all that order and strength. Um, and again, you have this moment where don't think bad of me, Alfred, as he's kind of getting ready to go out to, to work and, no matter what people might say, don't think bad of me. So I, I really like that. And you, you suddenly are like going, Oh, okay. He's not just 
the member of the crowd at the park or in the town hall, mm-hmm. or he's not just like this kind of branch secretary for the local Raven Society. Um, Getting drunk once a month. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and when he's talking about the old guard, he's just maybe talking about, you know, people of a different generation are along those lines. Yeah. This is the old guard who will die and they never surrender. Uh, and, you know, it's this one last battalion in reserve. Um, and this is their moment to, to rescue the, the project that is the Raven Society from the fire or the, the hard, cold prison cell. And that's what makes I think these moments between Alfred and his dad really poignant. I I really liked them, and yeah. I it really added to the moment where Alfred and his mum realise that something's off, and Alfred goes to you know on the motorbike to the manor house. And oh, I yeah. have to say again, that shot of him at night going underneath the the cranes in the the docks, um, I thought was phenomenal. It ju- and the music with it felt. It just felt really bond, um, yeah. and, and him going to the, the manor house and, and creeping in and just everything that happened. I, I just thought this was really, really good. I That's absolutely, right. uh, loved this. And of course, that standoff between him and his dad was again great. I, I wasn't expecting Alfred to shoot his dad and, and for that explosion to actually happen. Absolutely. So Alfred caused the explosion, didn't he? <laughs> it, was one, it was one of those moments I watched it the second time. I was going, Alfred shot his dad in the arm. His dad fell to the ground. Dead man switch, I think they're called. Yeah. It's when it drops to the floor and the, and the bomb still goes off. So had Alfred done something else, shot him in the leg, potentially his dad could have still held on to the bomb and not dropped it and not blown it up. But he seemed pretty committed to doing it. Um, I really do, as you say, I love those scenes between the two of them as it's getting to this moment where he's, going to go ahead with it doesn't really matter what Alfred thought doesn't matter what his wife thought doesn't matter what everybody's going to think of in the future he knows what's right in his own mind and this is this is his mission and he's going to carry it out no matter what uh, I really like those scenes uh, also a really good call back to early on in the season I mentioned back in episode two I think about Mr. Pennyworth that you it's kind of revealed that he's a very abusive man he has beaten his wife in the past um, and they referenced it here in an interesting way uh, you have Alfred finding out about the cancer from his mother and Alfred tells his father. And when she walks into the room, there is genuine fear on her face when Mr. Pennyworth goes to her, you told him about my cancer when I told you not to. There's genuine fear on her face that he's going to hit her again. But that is just showing that his character hasn't actually changed. It's It's a little reveal there. So, you know, this is a bad guy. You know, this isn't someone that we should be on the side of. He is going to now go and try and kill a room full of people. Um, because he's a bad guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. so really nice touches in here from Bruno Heller writing so many episodes at the beginning of the season, setting this stuff up and then writing the episodes here. Um, Sam Mendes is finished with his time on James Bond. Um, I think you're right about the motorcycle scene. Maybe Danny Cannon should get a nice big budget and move over to, uh, to James Bond. In the yeah. Future. I mean, it was just so well done. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed with it and I loved it. Just the whole build up and then the, the, the kind of little bit of subterfuge as Alfred, you know, sneaks past the, the kitchen staff mm-hmm. and then is caught by a guard. And, but it works out because, yeah, he, he's known by the kitchen staff because it's his dad up there. And then 
at the moment where you have the prime minister going, what on earth is going on here as the, the cake uh, effectively explodes after 10 seconds. So we yeah. don't quite know if the whole British government establishment has just been blown up. Mm-hmm. Certainly the Queen has been rescued, at least her body. I presume she's still alive, Maybe. but who knows? Maybe I presume she's still alive as well. We know the PM was at the party. That's the other face that you definitely could make out. They kept kept referencing him throughout it and uh, obviously the, the Queen. Uh, but she gets out in the arms of Pennyworth and it fades to black. Um, one other little touch that obviously is really important here. We've seen Alfie suit up throughout this season in his black and white with, with tie and gun in pocket. This episode's the first time he's suited up as a butler because he puts on his butler jacket going up to stop his father. So he gets, he puts on his full butler outfit to go up to his, to his dad. So, uh, that's the first time that he's done that. Uh, just interesting because you wouldn't, you yeah, wouldn't yeah. probably think of that. But, uh, but yeah, we don't know who's dead or alive. Uh, what an interesting way to leave season one. We know Alfie's alive and we know Baz and Dave Boy are alive because they're down the pub having a couple of pints. Um, but Martha um, Kane's alive. Martha Kane's alive. John Ripper is alive. Yeah. Um, probably Tom Swain certainly is mm-hmm. breathing. Yeah. Um, but who would have left that room? Who's in charge of the government? We've got the Raven Society all locked up behind bars. No Name Society are gone. And this room contained most of the members of Parliament, and most of the leaders uh, of the government. So who's left of them? I did think it was really funny at one stage as well, because the cake had a raven on it with the bomb in it. And yeah. I was like going, surely, well, that surely that's a little <laughs> suspicious. Uh, yeah. But then... You pointed out the red icing, so it's actually mm-hmm. the raven is bleeding out yep. um, over the white fondant. Um, or the red icing is representative of the raven bleeding out on the white fondant. Yes, there wasn't a dead raven on top of the yep. cake. Um, so I was like, ah, okay, grand. But otherwise I was thinking, this cake is very suspicious <laughs> for a, a celebratory uh, sort of banquet to uh, celebrate the victory over the Raven Society. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's it for our five questions for the episode. I've got a couple of notes from the episode, just some interesting stuff. We started out the season with trying to explain some of the things that Alfred says that may not be known outside of East London, basically. <laughs> One expression that he used on the episode, I had to search up. Um, on the internet after he said it. It's basically when Baza is talking to Alfie about what happens if they save the Queen. And Baza says to him, well, what happens if you fail to do it? And Alfie delivers the line, fail, getcha. And I was going, what is he talking about? Where does that word come from? Uh, getcha is an old East London expression of disbelief, something like get out of it. Yeah, that kind of okay, way. Or, yeah. Just not a chance that I'm going to fail this mission. Um, I think I love Jack Bannon in this show, but I think he delivers the line quite badly because you probably should be able to get it from the fact that he says fail, getcha. But it just sounds like he's seen the word for the first time. <laughs> Weirdly, I'm from the 70s. Uh, Chaz and Dave, a skiffle band from the 70s, did re- release a song called Gertcha, uh, which was toned down when it was shown on the BBC because the whole idea of it was at a... A shouty expression that could mean a curse word in East London, effectively. And the producers of the show that where they were playing it live weren't exactly sure what it meant. They didn't want to cause any offense. So they toned it down by taking out a few words when they played it live on TV. Okay. Nice. <laughs> That's song. what I got yeah. in my research. Excellent stuff. Yeah. Never <laughs> heard of the Gertrude way. before. There you go. So I'll, I'll play the song for John after it. And I might even put the song in the shout outs. Uh, so you can hear Chaz and Dave singing Gertrude from 1978. No, please, please <laughs> don't do Chaz and Dave. <laughs> Definitely play it for you now. Um, one that I really did like as well. 
just to call out, I did love that moment when the Queen, I don't know whether you noticed this one, John, where she says, I do wish you'd stop calling me ma'am. It sounds like you're speaking to my mother. Uh, she, <laughs> yes. she says that to Alfie. Um, I think this is when Bruno Heller was writing the episode. The Bodyguard was very popular at the time, the BBC TV show, with Richard Madden from um, from Game of Thrones in it. And at the time, there was loads of complaints in the US. Not complaints, but people in the US were very surprised at the fact that this guy was calling an older lady what they thought was mother and then ends up sleeping <laughs> with her in the next episode. So I absolutely think this was a reference to uh, to what was going on at the time, especially because this show is being shown in the US. <laughs> yeah, well, and also the Queen did a little cheeky phone back as well to Alfred. Yes, she did. Which I thought was kind of interesting. And that was a really lovely moment where Alfred's on the other end of the of the the phone mm-hmm. just with the portrait of the queen heart kind of lit up with the the lamp the the phone side lamp yeah. and it just um i thought that was a great little moment again jack bannon i think played that absolutely to a t old school skype phone call i think we'd probably say <laughs> just the static photograph of the person you're talking to in front of you <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh, that's it for my notes any other notes that you have john no, none from me. Well, on to you then. How would you rate the finale of Pennyworth, Marianne Faithful? I would rate it with five bondage spicer knives out of five. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. I knew it was in your head to give it a five. Uh, that is totally justified. I yeah. Think. yeah I, I really like this from, from start to finish this episode. Um, just everything about it. I think that last sort of half, though, or, or maybe even two-thirds of Alfred, his mom, his dad, the 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 last gasp attempt of the Ravens, um the mm-hmm. the the rescue of the Queen, seeing Alfred bed the Queen, or the <laughs> two of them bed each other. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting that for sure. Um I just loved it. I thought a lot of the the locations were really great here. I, I loved the, the, the filming. I thought the acting was great. I think it really wrapped up. And yes, I would like to know a bit more about John Ripper, a bit more I think there's some loose ends here from the series. But it didn't detract from this final episode. I really thought this was a great, great final episode to wrap everything up. Excellent. Yeah, I I know exactly what you mean. I feel like they pared it down quite a bit to make sure that it was about Alfred and his interactions with his father and his mother. You know, there's a there's a moment early on in the episode. Alfred's, you know, he's an old enough guy. He's got his own business. You know, he was moving out with his girlfriend as we got through the start of the season. And in this episode, it was all about, well, then I get to go back to my mom and dad. You know, it was almost about going back into hiding, back in the loving embrace of his family. So I liked what Bruno Heller did with this episode, pulling it back to just him and his family and the implications of having his father on the completely opposite side and believing he's right versus Alfred, who's been thinking he's in the right the whole time, you know? And uh, his dad ultimately being dead now. Yeah, and his dad telling him he's very proud of him, though. Even yeah. though his, he, they were on opposite sides, he does, does have those moments with his wife and with, uh, with Alfred where he's telling them both he's proud uh, of them and he loves them. Um, now, would it have handled another 12 episodes or even another two episodes to get it up to 12 or 22 episodes as a season? I think you could justify that. I think there was a lot going on with the Raven Society and the No Name Society, um, which they ended in this episode, the Raven Society aren't dead, but figuratively speaking, everybody's arrested and everybody's put away. So yeah. they've, they've shut that story. They've ended that moment. And we've got a, an ending, a capper for season one of Pennyworth and possibly 
for Pennyworth as a whole, um, because you don't have to tell another story now. There is enough people around that if they do do a season two, they've got enough there to jump off of and to continue the story on, and, and there'll be loads of interesting stories to come out of the world. But I think they've done a really good job of of ending it with a minor cliffhanger, I think is, is the way I'd say it. We know our main character's alive for sure, and we know he's got the queen in his arms. We don't know whether she's alive or not, but does that wholly matter? Because you can guess she probably is alive because it's possibly Queen Elizabeth. We believe it's Queen Elizabeth anyway. Um, so you know she survives and gets out and it's the Queen, right? But if they get a season two, will they have a completely different storyline going for it? You know, I, I'm, I think they did a really good job of making a one and done if they want to or doing a season two if they want Definitely, to. Definitely, well. yeah. And I think on that point, um, you know, from my side, I would love to see a season two of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think they've really laid a nice foundation here for Alfred. I think Jack Bannon is great in the role. Yep. I love effectively his his sidekicks here with Davy Boy and Bazza. Um, the Sykes sisters are something that needs to be on TV. Definitely. Um, it's a shame we lost dear old Mr. Spicer, mm-hmm. uh, but certainly the Sykes and the Spicers really did psych up this uh show and spice up this show uh, for <laughs> sure um i really really enjoyed them um I, and i i, I like the context of all this happening this espionage the intrigue the the coups the you know the political maneuvering i mean it is for certainly valid for our time just as much as, as uh back in the 1930s but mm-hmm. and so i think really from that um, I would absolutely love to see a season two. So let's uh, keep our fingers crossed. Absolutely. Hopefully we're going to hear something really soon. Uh, the show is going to air in the UK uh, and in all the other territories where stars play boss the show. You may be listening to us because you're watching this in a couple of months time. Uh, the show is airing on the 25th of October. All episodes are airing in multiple countries around the world. So hopefully it brings a nice bit of eyes to the show and hopefully we'll get a, we'll get a, a renewal announced pretty soon after that once they know what the appetite i suppose is like uh, around the world for for the show uh, we've really enjoyed covering it we've really enjoyed these 10 episodes of the show thanks so much to epics hd who provided us with the episodes in advance so we could watch them and record our podcast yeah, uh, each week as we went along uh, so much massive thanks to all of our fellow governors who've joined us throughout the season as well yeah it's been really good to have you on board and yeah. um, you know that we've had some really good feedback through mm-hmm. the course of this season absolutely so, uh, absolutely thank you so much fellow governors yeah and keep sharing the podcast this was a small show uh pennyworth on epics hd was a really small show a very small run very small release hopefully it'll build in its momentum into a big show uh, as it goes around the world uh we covered it out of, the, out of our love for gotham and out of our love for for what uh, bruno heller and danny cannon have given to us share our podcast out there for people who may have seen the show and don't know what to do with themselves until the season two comes up yeah absolutely uh on that note, I think it's great to have had all the governors on board for mm-hmm. listening. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, remember, subscribe and rate us, leave a review over on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, mm-hmm. Stitcher, or any other good or evil podcast catcher of your choice. Yep. Uh, remember, you can search for Pennyworth Podcast to leave uh, a review or rate us. Uh, and of course, we will be back with more DC Comics discussion for Watchmen. Yes, Watchmen will have its own feed. 
It will not be on the Pennyworth podcast feed. Um, uh, make sure you subscribe to TV Podcast Industries. If you want to get everything that we do, just make sure you search for TV Podcast Industries or just go to the website, tvpodcastindustries.com, and you can subscribe to it all there. Looking forward to Watchmen. Uh, we should have our first episode up on the 21st of October, my birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> well, we'll save the birthdays until we get there. It's almost a month away, John. You don't have to say it just no, yet. absolutely. <laughs> this felt like a birthday, though, getting to see the finale of uh, of. Pennyworth. It was kind of like a nice early birthday present for me. It was. <laughs> Happy birthday. Now you know what you're getting. <laughs> there you go. Thanks so much for joining <laughs> us. We will talk to you again soon. Uh, watch out for that future episode of Pennyworth where we wrap it all up with hopefully your feedback and hopefully an announcement for season two. That's my uh, hopes and dreams. Yeah, as always, fellow governors, thank you again for joining us and thank you so much for listening. It's a pleasure. Um, yes, you better watch out because... Uh, I've got my knife and I've got my latex suit uh, and I'm off to go and hide in a cupboard. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 